<clears throat> this morning, I'd like to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, I got a message from Dave this morning that he's had another setback with his back, and uh, he asked us to pray for his recovery. So. What was it again? First Corinthians chapter uh, um, chapter fifteen. Sorry. Did I see it? Yeah. Beginning in verse one. <clears throat> Wherever, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, Cephas means a stone, uh, <clears throat> Cephas and by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present time, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, and then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time, for I am least of all the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. The testimony of Saul of Tarsus. You notice that this message that he preached, he talks about how Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. The word scripture means according to the, to the Bible, according to the Old Testament prophecies that, were, uh, that are in the Word of God. This was all predicted ahead of time in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, Psalm 22, and there are others we could go on and talk about in the book of Zechariah and, and different, uh, in the book of Micah, all these different prophecies. And he rose from the dead, it goes on to say, according to the scriptures. According to what God had said ahead of time, God spoke the end from the beginning. He knew the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. And through the prophets, he spoke and said, this is what's going to happen in his prophetic um, messages of the Old Testament. And Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem and raised up in his ministry in Nazareth. And everything else that happened, and, and the blind seeing, and the lame walking, and so forth. And dying on a cross, and suffering, and his life and offering for sin, according to the scriptures. And raising from the dead, according to the scriptures. According to the word of God. He was seen by Peter. We read that earlier in John. He is seen by the twelve apostles. 
He was seen by the women who we read about. Mary Magdalene and the other women. Read all the accounts. He was seen by all of the apostles in the upper room. He was seen by Thomas, who didn't believe when he heard the message. The apostles didn't believe the message. Nobody believed it until they saw Jesus. But they saw the miracle of the grave clothes. He was seen by 500 brothers at one time. 500 disciples at once he was seen by. He was seen by James and all the apostles. And then Paul says, last of all, he was seen by me, persecutor of the church, and the tremendous conversion of Saul of Tarsus. When you see the conversion of, of a madman going about to destroy the church, and you see that that person, that there is no potential for that person to be a follower of Jesus, you don't see anything that would lead you to believe that he would ever be a disciple of Jesus. And then he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a vision of Jesus. Jesus came to him in a vision. That blinded him. Temporarily. And then he went and preached the message he tried to destroy. He tried to rub out that message and to destroy all those who preached that message. Now, not only was he converted, but he became a powerful witness of the message of the gospel. We go on to verse 12. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, if in fact the dead do not raise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is vain. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of, the men, of all men most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ that is coming. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, and he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign to all, he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. There were people, apparently, in the church of Corinth who said there was no resurrection from the dead. 
Back to verse 12, he says, How do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? You know, that's not a new message. That wasn't started at the church at Corinth. You remember, Jesus confronted the Sadducees, one of the religious groups of the Jews. There was the Pharisees, there was the Sadducees, there was others, the Herodians. The Sadducees, although they believed in the God of Israel, they didn't believe that there was life after death. What's the point in that kind of religion? That's what Paul's saying here. If, that's, if there's only hope in this life, you know, and, we, and, we're, and all we're suffering for the name of Christ, we're just a bunch of miserable people. If that's all there is. He said, that's not all there is. Jesus did rise from the dead, and there is a resurrection from the dead. As we read in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. There is eternal life in Christ Jesus, and there is a hope beyond the grave. We need not fear death, because Jesus has overcome death. As we read, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? We lost an old friend this past week, Dan Holsopel. Some of you know him, have met him. His family, along with Dave's family and, our, and my family, uh, started this group uh, some 20-some years ago. <clears throat> and uh, uh, we found out, I haven't seen him for a long time, but I, he moved away and found out that he had few weeks ago that he had uh, uh, pancreatic cancer and uh, know anything about pancreatic cancer it moves very quickly and uh, he, he was, we lost him on Wednesday so um, our prayers for uh, Leslie and, and their children their two children adult children hmm <clears throat> There is hope beyond the grave. O grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We have hope in Christ Jesus. It isn't a vain, faint, uh, it's not a vain hope. It's not a fairy tale, a legend. It's the message that we all rejoice in. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Praise the Lord. From there we're going to go to Romans chapter 6. I'm sorry, not Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness 
of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became vain in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, and professing to be wise, they became fools. The wise and the foolish about the gospel. It's all about the gospel here. Jesus is still the center figure of the human race, whether they people want to admit it or not. Of the race of Adam, Jesus is still the central figure. And our attitude and our what we believe and how we respond to this message is the most important thing in life. That there is. We see those who believe is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Power of God to save us to those who believe. That's how we look at it. Who believe. But those who don't believe, they become fools, it says here. Become foolish. Their hearts become darkened. And then you see what we see in the world. Corruption. Of every kind. Greed and corruption and violence of every kind in a wicked world. And by the grace of God, He has changed us. Otherwise, we would be like that too. It's the way of the world. And there's no excuse for anyone, you read Paul says here, because God has shown it through the things He has created. In 1 Corinthians, Chapter 1, I believe it's verse 17. Yep. Verse 18, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 1 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age, this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God that through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks or the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brothers, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. 
God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty, and the lowly things of this world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. <clears throat> the wise of this world, not many of them are the called of God. The brilliant, the geniuses, the powerful, not many of them of the intellectual are called. God has made their wisdom, human wisdom, to be foolish. It says, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And people walk in such pride and think they're so wise in their own wisdom and their own understanding. And they, as we read in Romans, it says they profess to be wise. Maybe not in words, but in their, in their, in their actions and in their thinking. They prof and in their pride, they profess to be wise. And they're really fools in God's eyes. I'm not calling them fools, God is. And, the, and you see the dilemma of the human race. You see the difference between those who believe and those who don't. To those who believe, we see in the cross and in the resurrection the power of God to save us. To save us from ourselves, from our own corruption and our inner man. And that corruption is lived out in so many different and diverse ways. Whether it's false religion in, in false morality to, you know, just out and out violence and corruption and immorality of every kind. This is a broad spectrum of how we can live out the corruption that we have naturally in each one of us. That's why we read earlier, in Adam all die. We inherit that corruption, that rebellious uh, nature, whether we recognize it or not. In the New Age movement, it says that people say, well, the God is in all of us. The Gospel of John says, to as many as receive him, to them does he give the power become the children of God. We must receive Christ through believing the message preached. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. And then the wise people in this world, in our society, and in so much of the intellectual world, it's like, this is foolishness and silly. But God chose this message of, that seems foolish to the world. As Paul says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Because he's saying it to say, well, people think it's foolish, and God, you know, that's all foolish. But what people think is foolish in you know, about God is still wider than men. God is not a man. That's why people don't understand it, because they're not God, and they don't understand God, because God isn't like a man. He's not a man. God chose to please God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 
When you share the word with other people, some of them look at you like, really? You know, you still believe, you believe this stuff? Not everybody does that, but there's a lot of people that do because of the foolishness of the message preached. And some later on who have that reaction may be saved. They might, you know, you we're sowing seeds. The sower sows seed into the soil. The message preached. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. And to some, in foolishness to some. They trip over it. They stumble over it. And yet it's in front of them all the time. The message of the gospel is all over the world. It's on the internet. People, people in forbidden countries can receive the word of God. And God will bring it to those he chooses to hear the message and to be saved. And so he says here that meant most of us are not that the brightest. We're not the sharpest. We're not royalty, most of us. We're not famous. Not rich. In the ways of the world. And that's who God is called. So from there, I want to go now to Romans chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members 
as instruments of righteous unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself alive or to, or present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And the question is very important here that we ask ourselves in this. We can say we believe in Jesus' death and his resurrection, but do we believe in our own death to sin and our own resurrection from the dead? I'm not talking about when we go to heaven. I'm talking about right now, today. Those of us who are in Christ, this is who this is about. Do we believe that we have died with Christ, we have been buried with Him in baptism, and raised with Him to walk in a new life? And that we are now in the likeness of His resurrection? And that we are, it says here, Present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. Resurrected from the dead in Christ. Now when it says this, this is not saying, as what happens to some, it says, as many of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. That is for those who believe the message. In their hearts. If we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Because many are baptized, but are not sure what they believe. And are ready to commit themselves to Christ as Lord. If we confess Jesus, Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. There must be a change in the heart, or baptism is just getting wet. But if we believe the message, and we're buried with Christ, we're raised with Him from, we're, we die with Christ, we're crucified with Him, we're buried with Him, we die with Him, we're buried with Him, we're raised from the dead with Him. The life of Jesus, we identify with Him. In a spiritual sense, that's what happens to us. We read about many who did not believe the resurrection of Jesus. And we here, I believe most of us here, believe that. But do we believe in that about ourselves? Because I believe it. I, I really see that for myself, in my own experience, and experience of many others, that's where the challenge lies. In understanding what conversion really is. What really happened to me when I believed the message? And this change that began to happen in me. What is this all about? It's a crucifixion. It's a death. It's a burial. And it's a resurrection from the dead. From our old way of life. That's why in Ephesians 4 it says, Put away the old man, the deeds of our body, and put on the new man that is created after God in righteousness, and true holiness. We've been raised to a new life, a new nature, a new man. To walk in it. Don't walk the old way, walk in the new way. The body wants to walk in the old way. Walk in the new way. 
what are the evidences as to whether we believe that or not about ourselves? It has a lot to do with what's going on inside of us. About our problems. How do we, do we have a positive outlook to all the things that we're challenged with? Or we, do we have a black cloud of negativity? Is there things that are holding us down and dragging us down? In the book of Philippians it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. A rejoicing heart is what walking in the new man is all about. In, in, in the same book of Philippians, earlier chapter 3, he says rejoice too. He says, we are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, in our intellect, our own reasoning and our common sense doesn't mean we don't use those things we have no confidence in them we have confidence in Christ we rejoice in Christ Jesus but you know the carnal mind does not rejoice in Christ Jesus it can be very negative about our problems and seek to Walk in the confidence of our human nature and our own logic and human reasoning. Have no confidence in the flesh. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Later in Philippians 4, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content no matter what my circumstances are. No matter what my circumstances are. And he had some circumstances in his life. Now, I've talked with people about their problems, and they, sometimes they've said to me, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say because you're not going through what I'm going through. It's true. Sometimes I've never gone through some of the things that some people have gone through. But some people have not gone through some of the things that I've gone through, too. But the fact of the matter is, the Word of God is for everybody. God is the creator of all. And the message is for all. He has learned a secret of contentment no matter what the circumstances and we can learn that too. As he goes on to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can rejoice in our circumstances. Paul was in prison. He was took 40 lashes five times. He was beaten with rods, suffered shipwreck, hunger, thirst, cold, heat, you name it. There were a lot of things they suffered. Stoned, left for dead, stoned, and eventually, um, for all of his hard work in the ministry, he was beheaded at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry. Did he sulk about that? No. He said, I've run the race. I fought the fight. I've won the race. He said, now there is waiting for me a crown crown of victory. Because Jesus said, let no man take your crown. 
There is a crown, a victorious crown, that Christ has given to all those who love his appearing. We shall wear a robe and a crown. Do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin. Again, how do we know we're walking, believing in this resurrection? What is our attitude towards our temptations? Oh no, you know, I can't stop this, I can't stop that, I can't stop losing my temper, can't stop being, you know, negative, I can't stop, you know, all these bad thoughts, I can't, blah, blah, blah. Do we believe we're alive from the dead? As those who are, or we present ourselves as those who are alive from the dead. Do we believe in our resurrection on this Easter Sunday? You know, this week at work, you know, people walk, some of the members of work, I walk by, they, they say, Happy Easter to me, you know, and a lot of them wishing Happy Easter to, to, to me and everything. And, and people that I know wishing me Happy Easter. But I ask myself the question, when I hear them wishing me that, how many of them really understand the message of Easter, of the resurrection? How many of them actually believe the story of Jesus? Of his message of the cross and his resurrection? And how many of those who believe that believe in our own crucifixion, our own burial, and our own resurrection? And we can say, well, I'm not experiencing that. It's hard to believe that when I'm not experiencing that. Well, it's actually the other way around. It's when we believe it that we experience it. Because the Word of God says it. None of us made this up. This is what the Word of God says. It talks about our own resurrection. And do we believe it? Do we believe in the resurrection of ourselves from the dead through faith in Christ? Death, burial, resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, sinful nature, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer serve sin or be slaves to sin. If we died with Christ, there it is again, death, Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dead to sin and resurrected and alive in Christ. Just like we didn't see Jesus dying on the cross with physically, we didn't see him buried, we didn't see him risen from the dead. We can't physically see that when it happens to us either when we believe the message and we respond. The Word of God says that's what happens. So, what say ye? <laughs> As the King James would say, what do you say about that? What is the answer? Do we believe in our own crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection? And... <clears throat> Are we presenting ourselves to God as being alive from the dead and the members of our body as instruments of righteousness to God? How do we walk 
What fruit are we bearing? The fruit of the Spirit has to do what we believe about these things. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Paul talked about that. It's hard to rejoice when you don't have peace in your heart. Peace about our circumstances. Negative or positive. You know, in the world they talk about, in the, in the non-religious world, they talk about the power of thinking positively. You know, that whole thinking, believe it or not, in the world, was spawned from the message in the gospel. The positiveness of the message in the gospel. And the positive message was all over it. And even people in the non-religious world borrow that. A positive mindset, a positive attitude. But the power is not in an, in an unreligious, unbelieving, positive frame of mind. It's in believing this message. And it is believing this whole message that we, as God gives us understanding, we look at life completely differently. And I would just encourage each one of us today, we're being Mr. Negative, we're being Miss or Mrs. Negative, if we're being dark in our thinking, we're struggling with unbelief, That there's an answer and a way out. It is believing the message we read earlier. The just shall live by faith. It's not something that we just have when we're on our knees or in reading the Bible. Sometimes we don't even have it then. The message, the positive message, is only positive when we believe it. <clears throat> Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask believing, you shall receive. The power is in believing. <clears throat> and finally, we go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us, made us alive, again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith, for salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. In verse 8, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, 
salvation of your souls? And that is the question. Are we rejoicing with a joy inexpressible and full of glory? Through the resurrection of the dead. Through faith kept by the power of God through faith. Is that what our Christian life is like? Or is it something less than that? Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Jesus said, Behold, I give you a joy that no one can take away from you. May the God of all hope give you joy and peace in believing. In believing in the message of eternal life, and then believing in the message of grace for this life, the power of God for this life, we've risen from the dead, like Christ, we've risen from the dead, in the sense that's meant in the New Testament. Risen from the dead, we are full of joy inexpressible and full of glory. If we're not experiencing that, it's time to go back, find out why. And if it's excuses or the things that are happening in our life, and the temptations we've fallen into, or things that people are doing to us, or circumstances around us, not seeing it clearly. Because there is hope in believing. There's joy in believing. In believing. Believing in God's help. Believing in his, what he's done inside of us, believing in our resurrection, believing in the power of God to help us, believing in answers to prayer, we can rejoice in the Lord always. Written from a man who is in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Amen.